Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in. Welcome back in the trenches. And like I promised, switching up gears, talking a little NBA basketball, Houston Rockets, and the voice of the Houston Rockets, a man that actually won a championship with them, did a great job on the court, does a great job breaking down the sport. And we are lucky to have him in the trenches every single week. Matt Bullard, you can follow him on Twitter. Great follow, by the way, on Twitter, at Bull50. Matt, what's going on today, brother? How are you? Hey, good morning, uh, Andy. It's, uh, it's a good day today. Waking up and it's a sunny day in Houston. And, uh, and uh, the United States of America had some accountability yesterday. And, uh, and the Rockets play the Jazz tonight. So you know what? There's really, in my world, it's a pretty darn good day. Amen, amen. It absolutely is. Rockets 15-43. and 43. If you put their record in front of a mirror, you get Utah's record, 43-15. and 15. What is it going to take for the Rockets to pull off this huge upset tonight? Uh, hey, check out ND with the Pelinger right there. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting game tonight. The Utah Jazz have taken uh, the formula that the Houston Rockets under Mike D'Antoni uh, figured out. And what Mike D'Antoni did with the Rockets was he said, you know what, the best shots in the NBA, according to the numbers, are shots right at the rim, and the second best shots in the NBA are corner three point shots, and the third best shots are three-point shots above the break. And so what Mike D'Antoni did was he tried to maximize those shots. And uh, unfortunately, his team wasn't really set up to shoot the three-point shot, and the Rockets didn't have a very good three-point percentage as a team during the Mike D'Antoni era. But the Utah Jazz have taken that same formula, getting all the best shots on the floor. But the Utah Jazz are a terrific three-point shooting team. They're number four in the NBA as a team, 39%. And so they get all the best shots. They take the most threes of any team in the NBA. They make the highest percentage, and therefore their uh, offensive rating is sky high. And then on the flip side, uh, Utah Jazz are also a great defensive team. They're, they're a top four offensive and defensive team in the NBA. They've got Rudy Gobert, who's the best rim protector on the planet. And so the formula that uh, Utah Jazz is, are, are, is using is showing that, hey, you take the good, the best shots. You shoot the highest percentage. You're going to have the best record in the NBA. Yeah, I think as uh, Matt, Matt Thomas said, Jeff Hornacek is on the right bench. Is on the right bench tonight, taking on uh, the Jazz. But uh, Bull, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because you know this was big headlines uh, a day or so ago. But but Sterling Brown of the Rockets, when they were down in Miami, taking on the Heat, um, gets assaulted. What do we What do we know the latest on this? And it just sounds like an unfortunate situation all around. Yeah, I don't really know much uh, other than what I've seen on Twitter, but I'll tell you what, Sterling Brown's had a pretty rough go of it the last couple of years. He was uh, he was uh, assaulted just like George Floyd was. He was assaulted by Milwaukee police when he was a Milwaukee Bucks player. And then uh, we know that he was assaulted at a nightclub in Miami the other night. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I know that he uh, had some injuries, some lacerations. Uh, other than that, I don't really know. Uh, looking forward to hearing his story, but... Uh, you know he's had uh, he's had some uh, you know some disastrous outcomes uh, in his life in the last couple of years, and it's just you know 
just more of the evidence that we see with our own eyes and hear with our own ears that, uh, you know, hey, there's a lot of things in this country that aren't, aren't going well. And hopefully Sterling will be able to, uh, you know, to recover from his injuries from this assault and get back on the floor. But he also has a knee injury. That's why he hasn't been playing with the Rockets. So, man, the injuries just keep piling up for the Houston Rockets. Hey, Bull, what's going on, man? It's your favorite person, Big Sarge. Big Sarge, what's going on, man? <laughs> Nothing much. Listen, is, is the lack of consistent shooters the reason the Rockets can't beat the zone? Because Miami went to it in the second half the other night, and they only were able to get 36 total points. And they gave up 35 points in the third quarter. So is it the lack of consistent shooting the reason that they're having so many issues with the zone? Yeah, well, I'm looking at the three-point percentage comparison right now. I told you that the Utah Jazz are 39% of the team, which is number four in the NBA. The Houston Rockets are 33.7% from the three-point line, which is dead last. And uh, and the Rockets have actually been shooting the three-ball better as of late to get up to 33.7%. And and that's uh, you know that's just good coaching against the Rockets. You know the Rockets when they get a little rhythm going against your man-to-man defense, when the Rockets get some transition buckets and and start scoring throw a zone out there and it just completely stops the Rockets because they don't have any zone busters that they can put out there to knock down three-point shots. In fact, Sterling Brown is one of the best three-point shooters on the Rockets team, and of course he's not on the floor right now. So uh, other teams know that. Other teams have good coaches. They know they can throw a zone out there, keep the Rockets away from the rim, which the Rockets are actually very good at scoring at the rim. They're number 10 in the NBA in percentage of points in the paint. So they do a good job of getting to the rim. So the teams just throw zone out there. The Rockets can't hit shots. You know what? We always talk about the negative tank, 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 which I just hate because I always feel like anytime you step on a football field, basketball court, diamond, you do what you can to win. What can this team, the coach, the general manager, do with the remainder of the season that can carry over to next season? Like, are there different combinations you would like to see? Like, maybe a twin tower, you know, the clinic Olenek with Christian Wood, and then you start recruiting Olenek right now while you have him? Like, is there something that they can be working on right now, uh, Matt, besides losing to make them better for the future? Yeah, for sure. And and uh, and I, I hear what you're saying about the tanking. Uh, and, and the Philadelphia 76ers made that a science when they trusted the process under Sam Hinkie. And uh, we're losing games on purpose to try to build their draft capital. And uh, that's one of the incentives in the, in the way the NBA system is set up that I think would be better if we change that incentive so that teams don't have an incentive to lose games to get better draft picks. And I don't, and let me just say right off the top, the Houston Rockets are not trying to lose games right now. They're not trying to tank. I actually talked with Rafael Stone the other night and, and, uh, and everybody in the organization that, you know, says, Hey, look, we're trying to win. Everybody's going out there doing their best. The Rockets do put out a very young core group of guys that uh, it's very important for the core four guys to get lots of minutes, to get lots of experience on the floor. This is a great year for them to, to learn how to play NBA basketball, to learn how to play at that highest level every single game. And, uh, and Kevin Porter Jr. and K.J. Martin and Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate are going to be great players in this league. And so this is a good year for them to get experience. But, um, but yeah, I, I think Coach Silas definitely needs to put those young guys out there, experiment with a bunch of different combinations. Um, and, uh, and then the Rockets do have some real nice veterans. Uh, you know, even though everybody's upset about John Wall's play on the floor, uh, John is a great leader, and he wants to win. He hates losing. He respects the game, and he's teaching these young guys, by example, how to prepare yourself to be a pro every single night. And so I, I like what the Rockets are doing. They're not 
you know, they're not tanking. They're not trying to lose games, although they are losing a ton of them, and that will help their draft position this year. But, but they do have a, a, a plan in place to continue to improve without having to drop all the way, uh, you know, to the, to the basement for several years to get, to get better. Matt, can we start the campaign of Ricky of the Year for Jay Sean Tate? Yes, sir. We definitely need to do that. And I've been trying over the last couple of games to bring that up. And Jay Sean Tate uh, is not your normal rookie. You know, he w- uh, has already played a couple of years professionally in other leagues around the, uh, around the world before he came to the Rockets. So he's already a pro, but he's just in his first year as a Houston Rocket. And he does, he affects the game all over the floor. He affects it on the defensive end. He can guard anybody. He affects it uh, with his toughness and his and his uh, and his grit, but he also is a great scorer around the rim. He's a really good passer. In fact, he was playing point forward the other night when uh, Kevin Porter Jr. was in foul trouble. And Jay Shantae's three point shot is is getting up to speed. So, if you look at the way he's playing, he looks far more uh, like a veteran than any of the other rookies that we're watching in the NBA right now. And so, I think he really should be in Rookie of the Year. Uh, conversations but you know the one thing about it is he's on a bad team and he's not a flashy player you know like he does show flashes of being able to go in there and dunk and, and good blocks and everything but but he you know he doesn't have the big flashy name like Lamelo ball or whatever so uh yeah he definitely deserves to be in that conversation now i know he played overseas because obviously he wasn't drafted he bounced around honed his game do you think, though, we're going to start seeing more? And I, there's a new league out there where they're going to start pay, paying, excuse me, Matt, paying 16 to 18 year olds to play uh, basketball. Do you think we're going to see more guys go straight from high school to the developmental league to overseas and then go to the NBA? Or is this just one of those outliers uh, with some of the few that we've seen do it, do it in the past? That's a great question. And, and you're on to something here. The, 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 the system of developing young players is changing in front of our eyes. And, and I go back to, you know, Mario Ellie was a player that I played with, with the Rockets who played all over the world before he got good enough to make it to the NBA. And of course, we know Mario Ellie as, uh, you know, one of the greatest players in Rockets history and hit one of the biggest shots of all time, the kiss of death shot. And now we see Jason Tate taking that route of playing in different leagues around the world before he gets to the NBA. And you're talking about the G League now is going to be taking kids out of high school and paying them a legitimate salary to develop to be NBA players. And a couple of guys that are going to get drafted this year are coming out of that G League Ignite program. Australia's got a, a, a system where they're paying uh, young players a legitimate salary to play basketball, and that's what Jason Tate was doing last year. And so all these young players coming out of high school now have different options, which I think is great. Because the NCAA system, you know, March Madness, everybody loves watching their college team play, but the college teams are stealing the labor from these young athletes and not paying them for what they're doing on the floor. And everybody sees it. You know, everybody knows that it's not right what the NCAA is doing. So these young players now have options where they can go get paid legitimate salaries to develop their games. And it's going to be way better for the NBA because they're going to be getting players who are more seasoned professionally and they're going to be uh and, and the young players it's going to be better for them because they're going to actually be making money for their work instead of getting their labor stolen from them in the ncaa quick timeout. we're blessed with another segment of matt buller don't touch that dial in the trenches only on sports talk 790 <laughs> 
R.I.P. Prince on this day, he passed away. Welcome in, welcome back. Talk a little NBA basketball with Matt Bullard. And we are lucky enough to get him on for two segments. Andy, I've been thinking these last couple days, and it's a silly idea, but I want to go with it. I want to get Bull's thoughts. Uh, Bull, with the whole soccer league and, and relegation talk and teams pulling out and all this kind of thing, I started thinking, you know, if you want to prevent tanking in the NBA, what if we brought relegation? The G League starting to get more more money and more resources to it. What if we made a rule, Matt, where if you finish dead last in the NBA in the standings three straight years, you get relegated and the best G League team comes up. What do you think? Oh, man, that's quite the idea <laughs> right there. You know, it's, uh, you know it's, it's a fun hypothetical, but I'll tell you what, let's say you're uh, Tillman Fertitta and you paid $2.2 billion for the Houston Rockets, and <laughs> all of a sudden you're in the G League. Mm, that's going to be pretty rough. So that would certainly uh, keep teams from – from tanking, but uh, but a team that has bad luck for three years in a row, you know, with injuries and whatnot, uh, that could be that could pretty be pretty rough. Uh, let me throw out another idea uh, as far as uh, you know, uh, you know, wouldn't go that extreme. Uh, would be just uh, having a wheel draft, which means that every team uh, for you know, there's 30 teams in the NBA. Every team gets the first round pick, every th- uh, the first pick in the draft every 30 years, and that wheel just goes around every. And every 30 years, you know, every team gets a first-round pick, and every team would get a, 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 a number 30 pick in the first round with this wheel draft. So that would completely remove uh, any um, tr- you know, incentive to lose games to try to get a better draft pick. So that would be a different option. But, but for sure, I mean, I think we should always be thinking about ways we can improve uh, NBA basketball, the way we can improve sports in general, the way we can improve our society. I think, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we're in a place here uh, where we can always use good ideas and, and try to make things better. Bull, how refreshing is it to see a guy like Armani Brooks, especially when you're looking at him, a sharpshooter like yourself to see another sharpshooter on the court like that? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, I love watching, you know, Armani Brooks was signed with the Houston Rockets because the Rockets are such a bad three point shooting team. You know, if you're going to shoot three-point shots in your offense, if that's going to be featured in your offense, you have to have three-point shooters. You have to have guys that can make those shots. Everybody can shoot them, but not everybody is a maker. And Armani Brooks is a maker. And I love watching these young guys that can really shoot it because that sort of is, uh, you know, my <laughs> I'm sort of living vicariously through them. You know, that was my job back in the, in the 90s with the Rockets was shooting threes. You know, most of my shots were three-point shots coming off of uh, when we throw the ball in the dream, he'd get doubled, he'd kick it out to the shooters, Vernon Maxwell, Mario Ellie, Kenny Smith, Robert Ory, myself. Our job was to make the defense pay by, by knocking down three points on them. And so when I can see the young guys coming into the league who are three-point specialists and, uh, and following in the footsteps of the great three-point shooters like Steph Curry, I mean, he's on one right now, right? Steph Curry is the greatest shooter in NBA history, and he is on fire right now it's like must see tv watching him play well all these young guys are coming up in his footsteps and armani brooks has that same kind of stroke where he can knock down threes from anywhere you know over a half court line and uh and so i like the rockets signing him i like the rockets giving him plenty of time here at the end of the season to get him up to speed in the nba and i'd like to see the rockets sign quite a few more of those guys that can make a high percentage of three-point shots I know hard work is the answer for this question. I also know talent plays into it, but 
there are some guys like yourself, you brought up Curry with what he's doing is truly amazing. He's not the only one that will shoot a thousand shots in a gym by himself. Like a lot of guys to make it to the NBA, they put in that extra work. Is he doing something a little bit different or do you just chalk it up to like, yes, he's working hard and he's just more talented than guys? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, like, my, my question to you is how deep do you want to go? Because, like, I'm a shooting expert. You know, I'm like, <laughs> right. like, uh, you know, like, you think about a, a golf, a golfer, like Tiger Woods. He was, he was the greatest golfer on the planet. His swing was obviously a natural, uh, God given, you know, talent that he had, but he also was working on it every single day and he was always, always tweaking it. Mm. And I, I think back on my, uh, career as a, as a player and as a shooter, the way I shot the ball at the end of my career was different than the way I shot it at the beginning of my career because I was constantly tweaking it and making it better. And Steph Curry is obviously a very talented shooter. His dad was a great shooter. So not only was, did Steph have the natural ability, but he learned from his dad uh, every single day growing up how to continue to work on and refine that shooting motion to make it more repeatable and, uh, and more effective every single day and Steph is still you know working on his craft and he's at a point now where no one of us have ever seen the kind of shooting that he's doing Dame Lillard the same type of guy and so uh to me you know the great shooters are the guys that continue to refine their craft who have sort of a you know I, I guess I would say I'm OCD you know like I I, I I love getting into a gym and just working on the same thing over and over and over and trying to perfect it and get it exactly right. And then when you get it exactly right, you try to remember that that feeling of what you know. What does that rhythm feel like when I'm really when I'm really shooting it well? How can I how can I maximize that feeling uh, over you know game to game, week to week, month to month, uh, and throughout an entire career? So it's uh, it's really is a uh, one of those pursuits that you never perfect. No one's ever going to make 100 percent of the shots. And and your mentality on being able to accept. Not making shots is very important too. You know, like my goal in the NBA was always to shoot 40% from the three point line. And if I hit my goal, which I did several years, that means I was still missing more shots than I was making. And so can you mentally deal with missing shots? Uh, you know, even, even big shots that you, you know, you need to make for your team to win. Can you, can you deal with that miss and come back and shoot it, you know, the right way the next time? So it's a, it's a really deep, uh, you know, uh, conversation, a really deep pursuit to try to perfect uh, shooting the basketball. No, always good stuff. Uh, speaking of Steph Curry, is he, in your uh, your opinion, the leading vote getter for the MVP? Because every time I think it's LeBron, then he gets hurt. Then James Harden, it's going to be James Harden, he gets hurt. Right now, who do you think is leading the uh, the charge for the MVP? Yeah, and then you got to throw in uh, Nikola Jokic, who's yep. having an amazing season in Denver, and Joel Embiid in, uh, with the 76ers is, is just completely dominant. Uh, the NBA is, is chock full of incredible basketball players right now. And, and like you say, Andy, the, the injuries are what really suck. You know, you're watching these guys play and they, and they turn an ankle or they pull a hammy or, you know, in LeBron's case, he gets rolled up on and, and that sprains his ankle. And, and it would be great if we could figure out how to play this very physical, very athletic game without getting hurt, but it's just not possible. But I, I think, you know, Steph Curry's making a late run at it. Uh, I don't think that he's the, the front runner. I think Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, is the front runner, and Joel Embiid is right behind him. But uh, with about, what, 15 games left in the NBA season, uh, you know, who can stay healthy? 
who can keep it on this run. If, if Steph Curry can average, you know, 40 or 45 points a game for the rest of the season, that might be hard to deny him. Well, uh, you, you talk about the season winding down, and and look, the, you know, you mentioned playing the Jazz tonight. Not going to be easy, and you know these next three games: Utah, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. I mean, just on paper, are are daunting within itself. But on the flip side, the Rockets have played better against some of the good teams. We saw, you know, they they took Phoenix down to the wire. Uh, they at least had a good first quarter against the Clippers last time out. But um, is there a reward as a player, you know, on a team that's not going to make the playoffs, but Playing that spoiler and upsetting a team that's jockeying for that playoff positioning. Yeah, that's the way you got to handle it too. Uh, you know, the, the the reason why the Rockets aren't trying to lose games is because the Rockets know the second half of this season they have the toughest schedule of any team in the NBA. So it's not like the Rockets have to go out there and try to lose games to keep their draft pick. Uh, they're playing uh, the toughest schedule and and they're playing these really tough teams. And, and I go back to a conversation that Rudy Tomjanovich had with us when he was coaching us about respecting the game and going out and giving your best every single night. And other teams around the league are counting on you to do your job to, you know, to try to win games, uh, you know, for, for all the playoff positioning and everything else. So the way the Rockets are playing this, this season, and you bring up the Rockets have three really tough games coming up, but the Rockets don't quit. You know, the Rockets play hard. The Rockets have gotten down by over 20 points uh, in the first half, you know, four of the last five games. And they were down by double digits the other night in the first half. But they don't quit. They continue to play hard in the second half. They've made runs to get back in the game. They make the teams that they're playing, uh, you know, play hard and, and, uh, and, and do their best. So uh, even though the Rockets aren't getting wins in the wins column, the way they're doing it, they're playing hard, they're playing their young guys, they're, they're getting experience it's still very valuable for what the Rockets are doing. Boy, we've we've talked about this before, but uh, since the last time we talked about it, there has been more star players that went down. You know, Jamal Murray, uh, Donovan Mitchell, James Harden is still out. Uh, Kevin Durant got hurt. Is this condensed schedule, is it really messing with these players and them not having the time to, to get themselves together as far as the rest is concerned? Yep, absolutely. And, and we'll just rewind it back to before the pandemic. Remember, the NBA season was going along. Every, everything was was normal. And then and then March 11th, boom, NBA season done. Uh, we're shutting it down because of the coronavirus. And, and the players had to, you know, were quarantining. So for a month or two, they really couldn't, uh, couldn't get into a gym. They couldn't play basketball. And so that was a month or two where they could really rest. Everybody could kind of heal up all their nagging injuries. Uh, and then they go into the bubble. And, and they had a whole bunch of games in the bubble to try to finish the season, and that was in the summertime. And, uh, and they had a very short amount of time to ramp up for those bubble games. But what they found was in the bubble, without all the traveling, they were able to play and practice and rest, and their bodies actually felt pretty good because they weren't flying all over the country uh, to play those games. But the mental aspect of being sequestered in the bubble for as long as they were was very difficult to deal with. And then after the bubble, a very short offseason to come into this year, to this season where, where games are packed in as tightly as they've been packed in uh, in, the N- in NBA history to try to get this season in so that they can uh, start next season on time. So this season is, is games are packed in. But the offseason coming up this summer is going to be shorter than normal. And then they're going to be going into hopefully a normal season next year. So basically we've had three years of NBA basketball where it's been uh, compacted into amount of time that uh, players' bodies just can't uh, play at the highest level 
and then rest and recover. So I think that's why we're seeing all these injuries is because uh, players' bodies just aren't getting enough time to rest. So everybody in the NBA that I talk to is basically like, hey, we're just trying to survive this. We know it's a uh, once-in-a-100-year pandemic. It's not normal times. Uh, we're trying to do our jobs the best that we can, but the games are coming jobs the best that we can, but the games are coming at us faster than we can handle them. And we're just going to try to try to get through it and try to get back to normal next season. As always, we appreciate your time and your expertise, Bull. And here's to the Rockets pulling off the big upset against Utah tonight. Got to beat the Utah Jazz, man. I hated Utah Jazz. Come on. Absolutely. Appreciate you. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.